I'm Dan Pierce, and this is Pressure Cooker. I said I will never wear the e-job or give up my mini skirts. Never. It's the outrageous story of two misfits living on the fringes and how they became the central players in a sprawling terror investigation. We just hung out and played video games and smoked weed and did what we do, you know. Pressure Cooker is available on the CBC Listen app or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Solomon Fakiri's family now has some answers. Solomon was killed in 2016 while being restrained by corrections guards in the Central East Correctional Centre in Lindsay, Ontario. At the time, he was being held on remand, awaiting a mental health assessment. Yesterday, a coroner's inquest jury ruled his death a homicide. Yusuf Fakiri is Solomon's brother, and he's with me in studio now. Good morning. Good morning. How are you doing? Relieved. 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 Tell me why you're using that word. For the first time in seven years, Solomon Fikiri was heard and seen. For the first time in seven years, there was some semblance of justice. And now there is no doubt left anymore that Solomon Fikiri was killed by guards at the Central East Correctional Center in Lindsay, Ontario. You and I spoke about your brother six years ago. Was we that did. right? We did. Can you... For people who, who didn't know him and who, who, who don't know his story, just tell me a little bit about him. He was a gifted mind. He was my mom, my mom's best friend. He taught my mother how to read. He taught my brother how to drive. He took care of my nephews. He was a brilliant soccer player, an academic. But more than anything, Suleiman was a man that forced, me as a, forced us as a family to transform as individuals with his mental illness. And when he was gone all those years, all these years, that deep gaping hole continues to be within our family. And we miss him so much. You were really close. You were, what, 18 months apart? 18 months apart, yes. And you and he were really close. We were really close. One of the things we talked about six years ago was your quest to find answers and to find some sense of accountability as well. And I want to talk about what that word means to you. But this process must have been incredibly difficult because... It involved a lot of evidence about what happened to your brother. And I'm wondering what, what, what that was like to see unfold in that room. The last three weeks have been extremely painful. But as a family, we made a decision to let our pain, at the expense of our pain for Canadians, to see these facts, to, to see the truth, to see what a man with a mental illness has to go, went through in this correctional system. The 60 breaches of policy, the 60 staff that, were, that knew about Solly's mental health, the fact that Solly was calling for his mother in the doctor's note. But all of this was done to show the cruelty that this poor man went through, but also an opportunity for us to have this moment of reckoning so someone else does not go through what Solomon Fikiri went through. What he went through, I mean, again, it's difficult and I'm sorry, but the the details of it are shocking, that he was was beaten, he was shackled, he was pepper sprayed, he was face down on a cell floor. Um, You said that in in some ways, this is the first time that he's been seen through this whole process. Absolutely. The last seven years, the Ontario government has referred him as an inmate. And when we talked about accountability, there hasn't been an accountability. Solly's life was brutally taken away and his family has suffered all these years. But there's an opportunity here to make it right, to make it right, to change corrections, to transform. And you talk about, you say it's shocking. Yes, it's shocking. But corrections operates away from scrutiny and tr- lack of transparency that a tragedy such as this took place. 
You carried this for the last seven years, and you, your whole family was, but you were front and center in fighting for answers. Why did you do that? I did it for Sully. I did it for Canadians who are suffering from mental illness because I felt that they needed to be heard. They were vulnerable. They needed to be treated with dignity and respect. And when I looked at Sully's life, he was a man that always gave gave more than, more than he took. And this was me to build a legacy for my brother. Even though he paid with his life, I felt that Solly's tragic death could be an opportunity for us to really make a difference. As you said, he, he taught your mother how to read? Yes. He was very close to your mom. How's, how was she doing through all of this? I called her yesterday as soon as the verdict was read. I said, Mama, we did it. You're, the country has heard what happened to your son. And she said, thank you, son. I made her a promise to her seven years ago. She asked me on that fateful day, find out what happened to my son. And now we know what happened to her son. The country knows what happened to her son. You wrote a a piece about what you and your family were looking for. And one of the things that you wrote was that there was, in your words, a two-tier justice system, one for law enforcement and one for the rest of us. This double standard will continue to erode and undermine public confidence in police to protect the public, including from colleagues who break the law. There were a number of recommendations that came out of this inquest, 57 recommendations for the Ontario government to put in place to make sure that something like this doesn't happen again. One of them is to establish an independent provincial corrections inspectorate with the power to investigate individual and systemic complaints in correctional facilities in that province. Do you think that would address what you've called a two-tier system? It's a start. It's a start. It's a start to creating an independent external oversight over corrections because right now corrections is not getting it. Corrections needs to be held accountable and there needs to be someone external with the appropriate tools to create that accountability mechanisms. How many more deaths do we need for us to say we need an independent oversight? It is the one of the few systems that does not have independent oversight. Because it's behind bars? Because we, we assume that what happens there is out of sight, out of mind? Absolutely. It's a system that operates away from scrutiny and transparency. Yet it has so many lives at, at, at its hands. When you have 60 policy breaches and most of the guards are still employees of the Ontario government that are responsible for Solomon's death, what does that say to us? It says it's a double standard. And with respect to the police, three investigations, no criminal charges. My faith continues to be eroded. I don't have faith in the police to do the right thing. But there's an opportunity for Premier Ford and his government to stand on the right side of history, implement these recommendations, recommendations specifically this watchdog, and for a new police, for a new investigation, not that the OPP to do it. I want to get to that in a moment. The Ontario Public Service Employees Union, which represents correctional officers in that facility where your brother was killed, sent us a statement that reads in part, we've been making many of the same recommendations to the Ministry of the Solicitor General for years. To date, the ministry has had virtually no consultation with the union on key recommendations from the report, despite our recommendations to institute dedicated mental health units at all institutions and upgrade infrastructure within correctional institutions to be able to meet programming and healthcare needs of the people in custody. How confident are you that the government is taking action on the recommendations? That it, the last seven years and what you and your family have gone through will mean meaningful change. I don't know what more our government could see that a poor man who didn't need to be in that jail in the painful, cruel punishment that he went through f- for us to have change. Because he was waiting for a mental health assessment to get out of that facility. Absolutely. And people with mental illness should not even be in jail to begin with. They should be in hospitals with appropriate practitioners like psychiatrists, mental health workers, social workers. 
How many more deaths do we need till we say enough is enough? Have, have you heard from the Ontario government, from the Minister of the Solicitor General? No, I have not. To this day, I have not reached out to the family. They haven't reached out to you over the course of the last seven years? No. What would you want to hear from them? I want for them to understand that what happened to Suleiman Fakiri should not happen to someone else, that they have an opportunity to make things right, to change the system, to help vulnerable Ontarians. Because if they don't, there will be another tragedy. But that Ontarians and Canadians are watching this closely. Let's not give us lip service, champion this with appropriate political tools for us to be on the right side of history, to help Canadians that are suffering from mental illness. The union had previously said that it opposed the suggestion that this was a homicide. Instead, it called for your brother's death to be deemed accidental. What do you make of that? How do you respond to that? I don't know what is an accident. 60 policy breaches, legs and hands are tied, pepper sprayed twice more than a dozen guards and put in prone position. Solly was alive before that fateful day. He's dead after. Solomon's death was not an accident. He was killed. He was beaten to death by correctional officers funded by us taxpayers working for the Ontario government. And yet there was at least one guard, and this came up during the inquest, there was at least one guard who said that he was desperate to get your brother help. What did that tell you? We need more people like Mr. Moss. When you heard that, what was your reaction? I thought of Sully's happiness, his moment that he was always treated with compassion by my mother. And I saw this guard treating him with compassion and it meant the world to us. That's what Sully needed. That's what he deserved. Instead, what happened, he, there was use of force against them and violence against the poor. The man. fact that, that, that at least one guard said that something different needed to happen. What does that tell you about the system? It's a broken system. It's a system that's bankrupt. It's a system that needs to be fixed. But lives should not be lives should not pay their price for for the brokenness of the systems. What? Why do you, does your mental illness have to be a death sentence? And that's what's happening in these systems. We can't hide between absolvability or, or you know ineptitude or incompetency for the system that lacks accountability. What does accountability look like when it comes to to the staff involved in your brother's death? There should be criminal charges against the guards who beat Solomon Fikiri to death. And now initially, and not just initially, but the Ontario Provincial Police declined to lay charges because the belief was there was no reasonable um, prospect of a conviction. What do you, so do you believe that this, the, the, the ruling from the inquest jury should lead to a, f a further investigation? There should be criminal charges against the guards who killed Solomon. We don't have trust in the Ontario Provincial Police to do the right thing, but it, it's on the table for Mr. Ford to call for a new investigation. There should be to gain the trust of Canadians and Ontarians again. This inquest has had a devastating effect on breaking the confidence of Ontarians and Canadians on the correctional system. Have you heard anything? I mean, again, it's only been a day, but do you know whether an, a new investigation is underway, whether there's the possibility that police could reopen an investigation? I have not heard from the police or the Ontario government, but we will be watching everything closely. One of the things that you said um, over the course of this is, is that you want Canadians to understand that mental illness affects everyone and that Solomon's tragedy could have been anyone's tragedy. What did you mean by that? We all have loved ones that suffer from mental illness in one shape or form, but their mental illness is not just all of them, it's a part of them. But that mental illness should not be a death sentence. They shouldn't pay the price for that. They're much more than that. And that when they walk into the justice system all too often, they're not hurt. Viol violations are against them and 
quite often they're given to their loved ones in body bags. And we Canadians must look at ourselves long and hard as a society of that we must do better. We must do better and we must support these vulnerable individuals. Their lives are not cheap. They're as valuable as the rest of us. Solomon paid for his price. I've been fighting for these seven years so someone else and another mother and brother doesn't go through what we've been going through. You said at the beginning of our conversation that you felt relief. And I just go back to how you're doing right now. This is a lot. And I just wonder whether not a weight has been lifted, but, but whether you can exhale, if that makes sense. A little bit, yes. I visit Solomon's grave every Friday. I promise him, I say, brother, I'm trying. And today, yesterday was that moment, that moment of breathing a little bit, of looking up in the sky and thinking, my precious brother, the country heard what happened to you. I hope you're able to rest a bit more easy. I tried my best. How are you going to remember him? It's been been seven years this week that he was killed. I'll remember him as the younger brother who taught me so much, who taught me how to get closer to my faith, who I used to play video games with, who I used to play soccer with, who used to debate affairs of the world, but more than anything, the younger brother who I would kiss his forehead goodnight every night to say, I love you. That's how I remember Solly. I'm really glad to have the chance to talk to you again. You you and your family have been through an awful lot. Um, And I hope that, that this does allow you a little bit of relief and that moment to exhale. In the meantime, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Take care of yourself and, and, and your family. Thank you. Yusuf Fakiri is the brother of Solomon Fakiri, who was killed in 2016 while being restrained by correctional guards in the Central East Correctional Center in Lindsay, Ontario. Yesterday, an inquest jury ruled that his death was a homicide. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.